welcome to the Seeing Yourselves podcast. My name is Sharon Waters and I'm an artist and I am joined today by Serena Lee for the final episode. Hi Serena. Hi Sharon. So lovely to have you here at the museum. Really happy to be here with you. Yes, so this is the final episode. Mm -hmm. Just a little background, Serena is um, a historian. You run the brilliant Instagram platform called Georgian Diaspora and it explores fashion and cultural history. What I love about your platform is that we are able to see ourselves in the pieces that you share and the amazing research that you do. So I want to thank you from now for that. Oh, that's lovely. (laughs) Thank you so much. I'm really excited about talking about this piece. Do you want to describe the piece that you've selected from the museum collections to talk about today? Yeah, so I've found this little gem and it's called Lady with the Parasol and Pineapple. It's actually got no information about it at all. It just says unknown artist, circa 1840. Mm -hmm. It's not on display, but it is there online. You said that people can look up the image and they can look up all of the images that we have shared with you throughout the podcast episodes. So please do go and have a look at them. So yes, it's a black woman holding a parasol, isn't it? Yeah, it's a beautiful image of a black woman holding a parasol and a pineapple in her hand, which is kind of different for a portrait image. It's an oval-shaped image. It's about, it's a little bit smaller than an A4 size, and it's actually labelled 19th century English School of Art. Now, just looking at it, the way it's painted, it looks like folk art, Mm -hmm. which is sometimes known as naive artwork. It just means that somebody that hasn't had formal training before. But as you can see, she's holding a blue parasol that's kind of shading her from the sun. She's got a beautiful headpiece on her head and it looks like madras cloth. Mm, and it's like a blue and red colour, isn't it? Yes, yeah, and it's almost wrapped three times on top. It's almost like a turban. Yeah, it's beautiful. It is. And she's got earrings in, if you can see there. Lovely, like, beaded earrings, I think. And then round her neck, she's got, like, a wrapped rope of, which I think is maybe madras cloth. Mm-hmm. Maybe, or it could be beads. Yeah. And then, like, looking at the dress, see, this is why I'm not sure it's 1840, because looking at the dress, it looks like Regency era. And what's typical of Regency era is the high waist, like okay. that she's got there, the puff sleeves, and the very light fabric that she's wearing. And as you can see, she's got ribbon, like red ribbon, which is on the sleeves, oh, yeah. on the waist, and also at the bottom of the dress in four lines going right around and then on her feet she's got some lovely little slip shoes Mm -hmm. and And they're blue aren't they yeah blue blue slip shoes with white stockings Mm -hmm. i mean this kind of dress works when you're in the caribbean i mean this woman looks like a a woman of means Mm -hmm. no doubt i mean what do you think of the image i think it's a beautiful image and it's an image where i'm really drawn to it because We so rarely see ourselves in dress like this, in this era, ever. 
it very rarely happens. And I think what I love about your platform is that you allow us to see ourselves in eras where we, you know, during the Georgian period where we're very rarely represented positively. And this reminds me of the kinds of images you share. So I'm really pleased that you selected this one in particular. It feels hopeful. It feels... But it also jars with me slightly just because I want to know who she is, who created the image, why the work was created. There's so much that isn't said. So I think that's where the jarring comes for me. Yeah, no, no I feel the same way yeah. when I see these images and that's a reason why I did Georgian Diaspora is because these images just kind of, they pull me in yeah. and it's almost as if the image wants me to try and find out more. Mm -hmm. And what I do is I use what I've got, what I can see, and then I just delve deeper. I mean, for example, I'm not sure where this image is, but just by deciphering that there's palm trees in the background, mountains, and that she's got a pineapple, I'm assuming it's somewhere in the Caribbean. Yeah, It could be Bermuda, because I know the pineapples are big. They're also in Jamaica. I mean, when you think of the pineapple as well, that's a, a huge colonial past. I have to touch on that because mm -hmm. in the 16th century, when the Caribbean islands were discovered, the pineapple was revered because it was such a beautiful fruit. And traveling to Europe, it was so hard to kind of pack the fruit and that none of it would be spoiled. And you'd get like a couple maybe yeah. three or four that would be intact. Wow. They take that to the king, the kings of Europe, and the kings loved it, and it became called the king of fruits because one or two would survive that long, hot, arduous journey mm. over the Atlantic. So I'm intrigued by why she's holding the pineapple in her hand like that. I mean, to me, she seems like a woman of means. I mean, if I was to compare her to an image by William Blake. Yeah. I don't know if you've seen that one. It's called John Steadman's Joanna. I haven't seen that image. Oh, okay. No, I've never seen that image. I know Fiona knows that image very well. Yeah, I've never seen this image. Yeah, and in that image, you've got what looks like a mulatto woman with her breast hanging out. Mm. She's got no shoes on. No. But she's obviously in the Caribbean. And just in comparison to this one, to the lady with the pineapple, she's all decked out, she's got all her jewelry on, and she's very kind, she's autonomous as well. In this image, she's not trying to attract anything. Or no, and I think in the William, did, Blake. William Blake image, yes, she's very sexualized. That's exactly Very sexualized, you know. And it's not exactly just it. the one breast that's hanging out that makes her sexualized, it's the stance. Mm -hmm. She's almost looking longingly, as though she's waiting. With this image that you've selected from the Royal Museum's Greenwich collections, she doesn't feel to me as though she's waiting. She looks as though she's standing with confidence in her own right. And she doesn't appear to be... She's not waiting. Mm. I, feel, I feel exactly... Do you feel the same? I feel exactly... Because to see an image like this, this was, this was done in the early 1800s, and it's quite unique because she doesn't look, you know, necessarily enslaved. No. She looks like a full, I mean, just the tights and the shoes is enough and the jewelry. She's got two bracelets on both arms, a necklace, earrings, yeah. you know, a headpiece, a parasol to kind of protect her 
from the sun. Mm -hmm. And you wouldn't usually get that. And you can see that in the image with uh, by William Blake. It's yeah. called John Steadman's Wife, that one's called. And also, even though she's wearing a head wrap, you can actually see her natural Afro hair. Yeah, I love that. And I love that as well. Yeah. I'm really drawn to that. <laughs> Just peeping out from underneath the from underneath the head wrap. And yes. it feels as though the artist is trying to celebrate her her natural hair. But also to make a comment on her as a as a person and to represent her in a positive way feels like a real rarity. Absolutely, because you would never usually see hair as well. Mm. If we were to compare it to the Augustino Brunas images yeah. that we spoke about before, this is completely different. Even though it's from a naive perspective, from folk art, there is something about this woman which is intriguing to me, mm. very intriguing. And it's really got me on a bit of a detective run because on the, on the left, written vertically, there's some words mm. that I haven't been able to... And I tried Decipher. as well. And even with my fairy focals, I couldn't work <laughs> out what it said. <laughs> I mean, what I usually do, because I'm not great at reading these kind of old manuscripts, because I look all the time at old manuscripts from Jamaica and trying to look for certain ancestors yeah. or, you know, just old manuscripts of plantations yeah. and things. And it's very squirrely writing. Mm -hmm. And I always get my mum to help me with it because her writing's a bit like that. Mm -hmm. And she said... When she read it, she thinks that the first two words are I forward. Okay. And then for me, I'm thinking that the last word says black, but I'm not sure. I think it says black as well. Do you? Yeah. When I looked at it, that was the only word. I could work out I. Mm-hmm. Maybe your. I forward your. Yeah. Something black. Mm. Interesting. And it begins with an M. Oh, all of a sudden I can read. Oh. One minute. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm really excited. I wonder if she, I'm getting all kinds of ideas. Now I'm thinking, did she commission this image? Mm. It's really, I'm not sure. Yeah. And, you know, the symbol of the pineapple is very interesting in the Caribbean when you start to look at it through history mm -hmm. and how it works in the Caribbean and the... You know, the importance of the pineapple mm -hmm. in the Caribbean region. Yeah. Obviously, when it became, it was first discovered by the Talpi people, the mm -hmm. original Carib Indians yeah. of the Caribbean. And, of course, when the Europeans came along, they ended up, you know, commandeering it and taking yeah. it to Europe. And it became a complete delicacy. And it has been that way ever since. Obviously, the Caribs, they called it the Anana mm -hmm. rather than the pineapple. And apparently Christopher Columbus named it the pineapple. And that's the French word, isn't it, for pineapple? Yeah, I think... With um, my very vague knowledge oh, of yeah. French. <laughs> like, oh, okay. <laughs> I think it's pine... The pineapple of the Indians. Oh, okay. That's, that's some of the stuff I've read about it. So it's really, really interesting. Mm. And then when you look at even the Jamaican history of the pineapple... Mm -hmm. And you look at the coat of arms. Have you seen the coat of arms? Let's have a look. Let's have a look at it again. Very interesting. And when you look at like the Jamaican coat of arms, which was designed at the similar time mm -hmm. as a discovery of the Caribbean islands, it was done in 1661. Yeah. And I've always seen it as I've grown up with with my background, my heritage, and it has. I'll describe it. It has five pineapples in the middle on the shield and then it's got a native 
man and a woman, a native Indian man and a woman wearing traditional dress. Then they've got a medieval helmet with a crocodile on top. But it's the five pineapples, which I think is interesting. And the motif says, out of many, one people. Mm. And I've heard that all my life. Yeah. Yeah, because it's on the Jamaican coat of arms. But what I find interesting is which I only just realized in the last week with my research, is before it said, out of many, one people, it said, both Indies shall serve together. Meaning, Tauno and the Arawak Indians are in servitude to our king. And it didn't change until 1962. Mm-hmm when Jamaica became independent. I see. So there is so much that can... I'm really blown away by your research, by the way. People who are listening can't see the (laughs) notes and all the research (laughs) and the typed out stuff that you've done in preparation for this. So I'm really grateful for that. But so much has come out from that single... The pineapple being shown in the painting exactly Uh, no exactly and i think that's what attracts me and like makes me go deeper into these images because it's not about just what's on face value when you judge an image like this there's so much more to it and i think that's what's so great about this whole thing that you've been putting together the seeing ourselves project it's amazing because i'm able to actually you know share what I do what Fiona does. It's it's so like there's more to what you see. There's mm. more to what you're being told. Yeah, and it's really really important for us to diversify and you know question our first thoughts. Yeah. whoever you are, because actually you can learn more. You know, just learning about the pineapple. You know, because it does make you wonder why was that put into the image. Mm. But just from me doing a little bit of research, I feel like I've been able to, you know, bring this image, this woman, to life. Yeah, I was just about to say that. Actually, I was going to say that you have brought her to life, and also where you've kind of filled in gaps where her story hasn't been told. So no, we don't know who she is by the end of this. We don't know her full story, but we do have little indicators. We're given a little bit of insight into her dress, the time when the piece could have been made, the references to the pineapple, the use of the parasol, which we are only ever shown as being an object that's used by white and wealthy people. Exactly. It's so rare to see a black woman standing upright, not serving anyone. And being fully dressed as and well. Fully be, and being fully dressed yes. as well. Being able to see ourselves fully dressed in this kind of image from this time. I was going to say it's refreshing, but it's so much more than that. I find it refreshing when yeah. I see these images. And I just can't stop. And I do find them and I'm like just constantly researching. Like I was doing this last night and I could just literally do it all the time. Mm. I'm so interested in finding out more than you know, what we're already told to see through art history and find out about the artist. Because, yeah, there was no information on this whatsoever. But my interest is actually what else can we find mm. out? No, because from an image, you can find so much more. From these historical images, 
they have a historical but also cultural context. Mm -hmm. It's not just about the artist. It's about the consequences of today and these images and how they affect us. Mm, exactly. And that's why I think this work and the work we all do, actually, is so important. Yes. Because so often the story is told through other eyes. But through the work we're doing, we're showing our story through new eyes, through our own eyes, which I think is more important. Definitely. And I just hope if this, even if just, you know, one person clicks on the image, you know, it'd be nice if it was a young black girl. <laughs> <laughs> no, that wanted to find themselves yeah. in history and not be always faced with, let's just say the usual. If I could do that, I'd be happy. Yeah. And I think you've done that. Definitely. I think this is the perfect image to end the series. It feels so uplifting. Oh, I'm so glad. I'm because so <laughs> you know that the last episode... Yeah, the last we episode played, we did, that was full on. It was really, really full on. It was the last episode that I did was with Fiona and we've recorded two in one day, actually, and it was really really full on I was, actually, I was actually talking about the sable venus as well from last time that was that was a lot it was a lot yeah and i think what isn't talked about so often is the amount of emotional energy that it takes to do this work and i know we touched on it in an earlier episode but i think it's hugely underestimated and not given the credit that it deserves because I know just on a personal level, recording today, the episode with Fiona earlier on today, I needed a bit of a break. Yeah. We ended up playing some music. We did. <laughs> I did a little dance. We I were think. like I whining think a little bit. A little bit of whining oh, went yeah. on. At the Royal Maritime. At the Royal <laughs> <laughs> It was necessary. I'm telling you, Because yes. it was a lot. And to just do two back-to-back -back episodes where the first one was so triggering... But then to end with more of a positive note, not that we need a positive note because we know there's so much work to be done. But I just wanted to comment on the fact that I really, really appreciate the work that you and Fiona continue to do and the work of your peers. I'm so honoured that you have agreed to work with me on this project. It means more than you will probably ever know. Well, I'll show them. I couldn't think of better people to work with. And I just want to say a huge thank you to both of you. And Fiona's still in the room, so thank you, Fiona. Oh, thank, thank you, Sharon. Sharon. It's an honour to <laughs> and be thank like you, working. Serena. No, I appreciate that. It's such an... I'm so pleased to be here and working with you and with Fiona, who I've been fangirling for, <laughs> <laughs> for a couple of years. Now you know the truth. <laughs> <laughs> and it's just, you know, and to be here, and Estelle as well, yeah. record, you know, And a huge thank women. you to Estella. Yes, thank for, you. For being here with us and yes. recording and editing all of the six podcast episodes. I've worked with the best team and I really look forward to working with you all again. This isn't the end. This is just the beginning. I think there's so much work to be done. And to collaborate with you all again would be amazing. So thank you to everyone for listening. And yeah, that's a wrap. <laughs>
You've been listening to the Seeing Ourselves podcast hosted by me, Sharon Waters. I'm a London-based artist whose practice includes hand-assembled collages celebrating black women. You can find my work on Instagram by heading to London underscore artist one or by visiting my website, londonartistone.com.